What's going on, guys? Bringing you another podcast here on a Thursday here in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. Home sweet home for me. Hope everybody is having a wonderful Thursday. Almost done with your week. Uh, Chatted with Chad Shrump and... The freshly minted new 2020 Golden T-Mobile World Champion, Tony Johnson. Uh, took some time and uh, just went through the field, talked about some guys and just the experience and uh, got to know the players a little bit because uh, these are the first ones. These are the first qualifiers ever. So they've made history in that aspect. Who, who knows how big that game can get? I'm optimistic. They've uh, they seem to have a following, um, and when I say they, I mean you guys, you my listeners. Because I mean, every time I, I I throw something up about mobile, you guys uh, you listen well, and I I appreciate the hell out of it. And uh, you guys also are awesome to talk to and uh, see some of your shots online. Uh, gives me a lot to shoot for, a lot to learn. I uh, don't know if I'll ever put in the time. That some of you guys have. Mark Duchesne. Jesus. That's a lot of games, man. That's a, you're, you're, that you're a banger in Golden T-Mobile. That's what you are right there. A banger in Golden T-Mobile. Um, but still, great performances by a lot of people. Uh, and uh, we left that for the podcast. That was uh, Chad Shrump. Tony Johnson, that will uh, be coming up in a minute. Uh, but first, Trovo. Let's uh, try to ride that a little bit more. Let's see what can become of this Trovo thing. So, uh, Nashville's coming up. They'll have both mobile tournaments and arcade. It's the live Golden Tee tournament. It's going to be a lot of people in Smashville. It's going to be a lot of fun. Here's Tony. Here's Chad. All right, taping this on a Wednesday night, uh, just fresh off the Golden Tee Mobile World Championship. Happy to have uh, two really good old friends of mine, but also um, a couple of really good mobile players as well. We have the voice of the Golden Tee Mobile World Championship, Chad Trump, and also a freshly minted world champion. Um, just he'll call it special in his own right, but it's just, uh, it's been a great, I'm sure 72 hours for one Tony Johnson. Thank you, Chris. Yes, it has been. The 2020 Golden D World Mobile World Champion. Uh, yes, this, it's been, uh, it's been pretty crazy. It's, uh, is it sinking in a little bit? I mean, now we have, this is, we all, I looked back, like when Greg, Greg won the first world championship for arcade, or I guess, you know, what we would know, that was 02. And everything was just so very new at the time. So he had a hard time really quantifying how he was going to feel about it. Tony, just, I mean, early thoughts. This is all really new. So, I mean, just yeah, tell, me, so, tell me how it feels. I mean, great, of course. Um, I've been doing this Golden Tee thing for a long time. And I think, you know, I've never come out and asked other champs how it felt for them. Um, 
for me, it, it's still really strange a little bit. Uh, and it was such a big tournament, right? I've never, I've gotten, we alluded to a little bit on the last podcast. I've, I've gotten second at a few big tournaments, not world championships, but like big PEGT events, um, but never first. And so this is, you know, the, the St. Louis mobile win, it was a very small kind of almost like a test tournament. I won that and that felt great, but this is really my first big win and it happened to be a really big win. And so I'm, uh, I'm experiencing both of those things. And uh, so far, feels pretty damn good. I, I, I kind of want to set the stage for kind of everybody that wasn't there. And everybody that just, you know, kind of watched from afar like I did. Um, there was, you know, we're, there's a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, a lot of different things we could talk about. Let's just, uh, Chad, for me, just uh, the place, just set the venue for me. We, we started from another venue, which we'll, I, I may touch on here later. And then it got moved to where you where, where, where was it called again? Where, where were you guys at? The, the downtown Grand. Yeah, the D. Uh, the downtown. Las Vegas Room. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, just room. Chad set the stage for me a little bit. What do you what What are we working with as far as a tournament venue? It was a small. Um, it was definitely a small venue. It was a small uh, conference room that was. I mean, we all said intimate. I mean, I think it felt intimate. Um, it had enough room. We had a, had a good table for um, Adam and I to, to sit behind and kind of call the action. I think Andy did a really good job of getting everyone spaced out, the crowd, the chairs, the seating, um, uh, players' table. But it, it was not big. I mean, it was a small room, had a little bit of a bar on the, on the end that, uh, unfortunately, they did not uh, man because they were understaffed. But um, it was – I mean, it was little, but – I think if anything, the ambiance of, of the setting and the the fact that we could hear, and I'm sure Tony could attest to this, you could really heal, hear the uh, audience cheer and, and scream. Yes. And, I mean, especially in the championship match with Benji. I mean, they were screaming like crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was loud. It was neat. I, th I thought it was a nice setting, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I think um, I, I didn't – I at one point I thought I'd – you know, maybe on Friday, walk over to the Nerd, which is where it was going to be, and just kind of see what that venue was going to be like. Um, I suspect it would have been bigger, but I think this, you said it was small, and I agree. It, it was a small, small-ish room compared to, like, what we're used to on a normal Golden Tee tournament, but it was the right size. Like, nobody yeah. was crowded at all, and we all, you know, we all had our space, but to your point, you could still hear everything going on, and I think if it would have been a much bigger space, it would have felt, I don't know. I think you could have heard I think you could have heard the hollowness if yeah the echo and, and whatnot whatever if it had been much bigger but as it as it stood I mean it was and I thought it sounded great um and everyone was just close enough to be kind of a part of the action it just felt like I mean you could almost reach out and touch the players I mean they were you were so close but you really weren't I mean you guys had plenty of space but um yeah I thought IT knocked it out of the park with the last second venue I mean I, I liked it yeah, I, uh, I, liked it. I, 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 from sitting from afar, I mean, it felt like you guys were at a professional venue of some kind. Okay. It felt like you weren't a part of anything. You were, I mean, there was, you were the center of the show. There were, it felt like there were spectators. Okay. There that were. was actually, if I have to commend of anything, I mean, it felt like you guys had a full house. Like there, there, there must've been 30 or 40 people. There may have been, I don't know if there was. Mm -hmm. But it felt like it. 
and it felt like a lot of people were invested, especially any time Benji played, by the way. I guess he had, what, his family and his third cousins all there. I mean, it's, at least that's what it felt like online. Or, and his Calcutta investors. All, all of his Calcutta investors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was one of those. <laughs> um, so, um, and by the way, I tried to buy Tony, but it just got to a point of, of really a difficult return. I mean – if Tony yeah. would not have won, it would have lost you money. So I, I just finally decided I'm just going to let that one go. And, and I mean, I, I said it on the broadcast. I had no doubt that Tony was going to win the tournament. Um, well, I mean, he's the, he was easily the favorite, and I, I told Tony's favorite. But um, yeah, for Calcutta purposes, just like, man, you got to try to make a little money somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. First off, before I comment, Tony, did you have half yourself? Do you, you want to just go ahead and let people know yes or no? Or I did not. So in my mind, and it was not for lack of, you know, didn't think I was going to do well, but to, to Chad's point, a little bit, I was not a great value. And so I went for 800 bucks, right around 800 bucks. And if I won, it was going to be basically doubling. So 1600 bucks, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. And so I'd be risking $400 to win – $400, but ultimately I wanted to win $10,000. Like, so I don't even, the 10,000, the $400 was so small compared to what I was trying to get that it was like, no, I'll just, I'll, uh, I'll uh, sit off on the sidelines. Well, Tony, uh, if I, if I, if I went based on just pure hearsay and hype, I would have handicapped you at a two to one favorite for this tournament. And, and by the way, and that's what I looked at when buying Calcutta for you was like, if you get two to one on your money, then you can probably go ahead and bet that and you can feel good because that's based on that. And then I watched the world championship and said, no, these guys are actually pretty damn good. There's no reason you would be a two to one favorite. Okay. Cause there was a lot of really, really, really good golden team mobile players that, uh, that put on a showcase. I, I was impressed. I don't know if the rest yeah. of the world was, but somebody who's spent, Every minute, or I'm sorry, every day since I left Missouri looking at this game, this was a showcase of real talent, and I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, they're really good players, and we, we talked about it a little bit on, on the podcast you and I did. Um, you know, a lot of people felt like me and Kins and Evan were going to have an advantage because of just tournament experience. Um, and I, I was in that boat. I thought we would, too. Um, and I don't, I don't know that we did. I mean, I was really, that was, I mean, obviously I was really impressed with everyone's play, but I was really impressed how everyone dealt with the nerves. Like there was no, there was no sign of nerves from people. I mean, a little bit early on, but they, it didn't affect the results of their shots. I was just really impressed with that. Yeah, I was too. And, you know, I look at um, the first match of the day was um, Mike Smith, who qualified week one, pretty big favorite probably. Um, if you were to handicap it over Barrett Detterman, um, Joe Mama, and Barrett gets the whole one of Elk and hits his drive down to the very bottom of the fairway. He might have been in the sand, might have been in that little lower rough area right before he gets to the sand. But anyway, he had a little, I don't know if it was a chipper or if he had to wet, if he had to hit like a lower iron out, but I think it was a chipper. I'm not positive. Um, he might have taken literally three or four minutes to finally relax and and get that pullback just perfect and finally swipe that shot straight now part of that was nerves but part of that also he said he was having a little bit of difficult time with the screen but once he hit that shot it's like 
I did not really notice a whole lot of nerves from really anybody else the rest of that tournament. And it wasn't that he was nervous. I think he was just trying to relax himself a little bit. Yeah, he was amped up. Yeah, and he man, he drained that he drained that sucker and took off. I was really impressed with Barrett. Yep. That we'll get into Barrett. And let's say his last name right because I heard Dieterman a lot over the weekend. Is it Detterman or Dieterman? Uh it's Detterman. I yeah, it's Detterman. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna make sure I say his name right because uh he he was by far one of the most impressive people and outside of yourself, Tony. Barrett, Barrett just threw threw me for a loop with some of the was some for what he was playing. He was very, very, very spot on. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I haven't had a chance to watch the whole broadcast, but that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to watching. Is is I know I I saw some of his matches, but not all of them. And just seeing the shots that he was attempting, um, I think will be really interesting. So go ahead. You're gonna be you're gonna be impressed with his putting. His putting was absolutely sickening. That was that was the I think that was where I dropped three shots was my putting, and I, I'm usually a good putter, just not that thing. Yeah. So Chad, I mean, walking into this tournament, we we looked at the 16 players. How many? I mean, realistically, would you said had a shot outside of Tony winning this tournament of all the well, players? <clears throat> see, that's a good question, and and I'll tell Chris when we were doing the kind of the pregame or whatever with um, with Adam and I, and I kind of brought that up and said, you know, I, I really feel like four guys out of the 16 have honestly no chance to win this tournament. Um, and in my mind, and that's – and I consider Barrett a friend. Barrett was one of those four. In my mind, it really didn't have a chance to win that thing, yeah. which is kind of stupid looking back on it now. But I just – I felt like he – I don't know if it's because he beat me to get to it. And, and he had one shot on Volcano 10. I thought, man, is that going to – I still don't know how that went in. It was – I mean, a great shot. It was perfect. I just thought there, he makes a lot of mistakes. He holds out a ton, but he makes a lot of mistakes. It's his first real big-time showing. I just – I didn't think he had a shot. But I, I, th- I thought maybe six or seven guys I thought had a really legitimate chance to win it. And uh, it turns out, man, there's a lot of guys that had a chance to win that tournament. Uh, I was overly impressed. Uh, so just uh, I'm gonna roll through the bracket. And I just want to uh, just ask about a couple players, and well, we're, we're surprised. Um, just I mean, Greg Kinsler a little bit going zero and two. Were we? I mean, that was were you surprised? Were you guys surprised a little bit at that? Yeah, I was. I was surprised because, like I said, I thought we. I thought the arcade, especially him and and Evan. We're going to have an advantage, um, and it, it probably helped a little bit, but it didn't help nearly as much as I thought. And you know, he, he'd been playing a lot going in, and but you know, we're all so close in skill. And you know, he dropped one shot, and then all of a sudden he's in a losers bracket, and the pressure goes up a little bit. Um, you know, I've been there going going to the losers bracket right away is no fun at all, and uh, you put a lot of pressure on yourself, and you drop one more shot, and all of a sudden you're out. You're like, holy crap, um, you know tournament's done not in an instant because that you know the tournament did take a decent amount of time but uh, it was a slow burn and I'm, I'm sure he's disappointed but and and i'm surprised but a lot of good players so yeah, yeah. i mean hindsight's 2020 right but um 
once I found out Evan had literally played none, I mean, just we knew he was done. I mean, you just you can't just this is not a game. He's not playing arcade. I mean, you're playing mobile against guys that are really, really freaking good at this this game. I mean, really good. And um, and I, I still feel like Greg didn't pick it up early enough. Um, I I know he played the last you know two weeks pretty heavy, but you're talking about and he played in the league. I mean, it's not like Greg has completely he's played every season of the league. Um, but it just, you don't see Greg on, on leaderboards. You don't see him playing in, in, uh, contests very often. And I just think that's, that's a big difference. I mean, guys have a lot of reps and it sounds silly, but I mean, it's, it's a fact. Like a, you can ask Tony, a, a seven yard chip. If you have not been playing very often, it is not an easy chip. I mean, and it takes a lot of touch and you have to hit it perfectly straight. And it's, if you haven't been playing a lot, your muscle memory's gone. And I just think that was one of the things that kind of fouled Ken's up. And Evan, for sure. Evan just – he wasn't hitting straight at all. Yeah, I think that's actually probably where Ken's would say he dropped his strokes, right, was chipping. Yeah. Uh, that's – I mean, that's that's where he did, drop his strokes. And, and to your point, I mean, sometimes it's just the chipper and you got to chip it straight. But sometimes you mentioned that seven-yard chip. You know, if you can't hit a chipper from seven yards, you got to be really precise with that. That's right. I'm, I'm having a difficult time trying to explain Evan Gossett this weekend. Um, who basically, I you could tell from the stream looked like a completely unprepared human being for this. Um, just uh, first off, was he literally having to log into something when he got onto that iPad? I mean, what was going on? It felt like there were some complications there. Chad, do you know? I'm not sure what was going on. I, I, Tony, if you know, jump right in. But I was just speculating that perhaps he just – I don't know that he knew his login credentials. I wasn't positive he had forgotten his password and needed to grab his phone and try to remember. I'm, I'm not sure what was going on in that situation. I, I didn't see what you were talking about. But, I mean, when so when we'd come up to the iPad to start our match, um, we – you change your name. So you'd go in. I think this is probably what happened is he, he'd never changed his name. And it's not like we change our names a lot, but yeah. you got the settings and it's not real obvious. And so I think he just didn't literally know how to change his name in the game because we're using all the same iPads. Yeah. And so um, I think I'm assuming that's what happened to him. Um, and, you know, I changed my name like twice ever. So, but I, I actually, that was probably one of the good things from that St. Louis tournament. I learned how to change my name. Awesome. I, it just uh, and this gives, will get me to a, a point that I'm going to ask about, and we could maybe start this conversation. I don't know. I mean, just do, does competitive Golden T-Mobile need a shot clock? Hmm. I mean, that's an honest question because I, I I I counted I think one time two and a half minutes for somebody to take a shot on one time, and then. Another time, a guy took I think two minutes fifteen seconds. Is that would that ever be a problem for Golden T Mobile competitively? People taking too long to play their shots. Not in my opinion. Yeah, Chad. I think it needs it. Yeah, I I was trying to put myself in in the position of the viewer over the weekend because if we want this to grow, we we need some viewers and we need people playing and to be excited and. Um, and I, I had a conversation with Rick Coppathorn, um, golfer 5480, that, you know, I think he finished third. And yeah. yep. 
he said, I didn't realize how slow I was playing until I watched the stream. I watched, watched the matches back. And I mean, I think that you're being generous. I, I think there were times when it was longer than two minutes, 30 seconds. There was, it was just, a ridiculous amount of time. And I know you need to take the time you need because this is a big stage and there's a lot at stake and I get all that, but man, God dang, you gotta, you gotta hit your shot. And Andy Coleman and I have talked about that. And that's something that could be on the agenda down the road, perhaps. I think I, I mean, I, I mean, I played a match against Rick and yes, he finished after I did. And, and I probably overall for my matches, I probably finished before my competitor half the time and after my competitor half the time. So I'm probably right in the middle in terms of you amount of time that it takes me to play. Um, I just, the thing that I would worry about is, you know, what is that shot clock? Yeah. You don't want someone taking two minutes, three minutes, but also, I don't want to be on the clock for 30 seconds. Like is, is one minute the right amount? And are, do you get a warning? You know, it's all the mechanics of it. And, and if there was a shot clock and it was a minute, I'd be fine with that. I don't think it would affect, it would be a very, very small percentage of the shots that would affect a very small percentage of the players. Um, but I, I just don't know that it's necessarily needed. It might add an extra dynamic though. I, I, I just thinking of it right now where, you know, if you had a shot clock, all of a sudden that's in your mind while you're trying to play the particular shot, especially the guys that are dialing in the, the stinker shots that they're doing. Uh, if you add in a, you know, a shot clock or something that would add, you know, an added sense of pressure, who knows what it would might be, but there were moments I felt that, yeah, this was take, taking an inordinate amount of time to, oh, to take a shot. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I still think that too. I, there were just, and it wasn't just Rick. I, I don't, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm um, tearing Rick down because it absolutely was not just Rick. But there were so many instances of guys just going back and forth for for upwards of a minute and a half, two minutes, and it's man, I, I don't know. I, there's got to be an answer somewhere in there that maybe um, IT can get with some of the player run leagues and some of the guys in the council maybe and and we can come up with some kind of a solution that fits everyone's needs because there's got to be a a little bit of a better answer than than maybe what we saw because i chris i saw the same thing you did yeah um when it came to that kind of delay yeah so and i think piggybacking off that just a little bit a lot of the you know we talked about st louis being a little bit of a almost like a practice tournament figuring out how broadcast can work um you know, we, we had a qualifier in St. Louis purposefully because I, we think the players think that that's the right way to go down the line. We understand why they didn't do that for this tournament, but we're, we're implementing things at these PEGT mobile events that we want to see in the big events. And maybe it's a, it's a case where we, we test out that shot clock at one of these PEGT events just to see how it works and, and if it really bugs people or if it at the end of the day doesn't end up helping at all. I don't know, but let's you try it out. Yeah, and you know the other thing, I I don't want it to get where it's like competitive chess, where you've got a timer. You right. know, you make your you make your shot, boom, you smack the timer, and boom, the clock's on for the next person. Because that's there, what it, it felt like in St. Louis when we were alternating holes. That's what that felt like with the thumbs up. The, the yeah, the thumbs, thumbs up, up and yeah, yeah. You don't want I, that. I, I'm not advocating for anything like that, but it's just um, I think there's got to be somewhere along the line, like a tournament organizer, someone watching over the the matches has to get a feel for, okay, this is starting to take an inordinate amount of time with this particular player. 
let's let's you know encourage a little bit of speed and if not you know there's got to be some provisions in place where um something can happen to maybe speed it up because it's just i don't know that like i said i i mean i i do see both sides of it as a player as well but there's got to be a, a happy median in there at some some point all right so i i wanted to dedicate this podcast to making sure we touch on all 16 competitors that have earned their way into the Golden T-Mobile World Championships. So I'm just going to – we're going to touch on a couple of these that didn't have maybe a hot finish, but just, you know, guys that, you know, had their due and deserved their day. So, I mean, just, Chad, tell me a little bit about Vic in the box. Who is that? That's Matt Vic. Um, Matt played, Matt played uh, competitive college football as a place kicker. Um, he also uh, was on uh, the big break on the Golf Channel. And I think – did he win it, Tony? Do you know if he won that show? I don't know that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's a competitive golfer. He's a golf pro at uh, – it was at Pinehurst, um, some of the best golf courses in the United States of America. So, he is a legitimate athlete. Oh. And uh, a really good guy. I know he had – you know, he, he didn't have the tournament that he wanted. Um, but, uh, yeah, he had a good time. I know he, the beers were flowing after um, his matches wherever. But um, Matt's a super good dude, and and there's a chance Matt will be back. Yeah, and he, and he also plays uh, plays in Golden T-Mobile League, too, in the past, he has. Yeah, and I, I haven't had a chance to see any of his matches. Um, but in my mind, he's, again, maybe not stylistically, but like, uh, like Barrett, a little bit, Joe Mama, um, where he, he gets a lot of holeouts. I mean, I remember some matches in Fight Club watching his matches. I was like, man, he's holding out everything. Um, and I think for him, it's just a matter of finding the time. Because as soon as he ramps it up, you can tell in his game uh, that he's ramped it up. He starts playing really, really well. Yeah, and Greg Kinsler calls him, watch out for Sunday Vic. Because on Sundays of, of the qualifying, the last day of the qualifiers, Chris, each week, Vic would probably need like, five 1500s and two 16s to get in the top eight. And I, that dude on Sundays was a sickening beast. And he would just turn into Sunday Vic and all of a sudden he's in the top eight and he's in the head head matches and he, and he made the tournament. So yeah, I mean, Vic's a player and Tony, did, had you ever seen, and maybe you do it. Um, I can see you doing it, but uh, Vic was hitting. I think it was Vic would hit a, uh, a streak um, out of the sand traps. Did you see, did you see any of that? Uh, like from around the greens, like in the trap, he was hitting like streaks all over the place. No, I, I think from what he was, what he's talking about, he's hitting a sand wedge out of the bunker. Sand wedge, maybe something else, but it would ha he would play a streak roll, basically to create roll to try to get to the uh, downhill, uphill, uphill. Didn't it didn't matter. No, he was he was playing a streak onto as um, but with a bunker shot of like a 12, 14 yard bunker shot. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've used a torpedo on some chips occasionally. If, if Back to that seven-yard chip you were talking about. If you're in kind of a weird spot and you feel like you got to hit a lob wedge, you want it to run out a little bit. Yeah. And so you use a torpedo, but not yeah. typically. Yeah. Who was, uh, who was Mr. Calzone that you beat up in the first round, Tony? Matt Calderon, uh, number, uh, one of the guys on the council for the league. Uh, mm -hmm. So I know him pretty well. Uh, met, met him for the first time as, as – as I met most of the guys at the tournament I met for the first time there, you know, there's probably four or five guys that I've met previously in person. Uh, but I know him really well from online. 
obviously a really good player. Um, I think when Chad was talking about the, the six or seven guys that could have won it, I think he would have included uh, Matt in that list. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I, I happened to take him out in the first round. And then, like I said, the, the, the noose tightens a little bit once you find yourself in the loser's bracket a lot earlier than you wanted to be. And, and uh, it got him. I, uh, I, a friend of mine, Micah Middleton, came out to watch the tournament. He and I picked up Matt Calderon at his hotel on the way to um, the championship. And, you know, we kind of had a discussion in the, in the taxi on the way there. It's just, you talk about a brutal first round for one of, I mean, I consider, like Tony just said, Matt's one of the best five or six players on planet Earth. And to have to get matched up with Tony in the first round was kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. And it, it kind of felt like in that cab, how we were talking, the winner of that match had a really inside track to, to maybe become a world champion. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough road, as you guys both know, getting the loser's bracket right off, right off the bat. I mean, it's a, it's a tough way to win a tournament. Nope. It's never happened before. Uh, just, I heard the name you say it a lot of times. Just, is it is Jame? Chad, help me with that. Jame or Jame? It's Jame. Jame. Um, yeah, Brian Davis. Um, I think he's another South Carolina guy, and uh, he another is. South Carolina guy. He is. Um, he's big time on on the math. You know, there's a. I heard Tony on your podcast talking about if he was going to teach someone how to play this game, one, one of the advice, some of the advice would be it's a precision game. I mean, you, you've got that ability to really be precise in how you attack holes. And Brian, um, I think more than any player in the world has taken that to another level with his, with his math. I mean, he's a, a big time math guy and, and he, I mean, he is spot on with his distances and it was just a matter of him in this tournament. He just, I don't know if he was nervous um, he just wasn't swiping as, as well as I think he normally does, but he, um, he's a really good player. I mean, when he's on his game, he, he's, he is great. Yeah. I mean, an, another guy that you, that you would have listed in your six or seven that, that could have won it another top, uh, top five, top seven player, really, really skilled. Um, you know, for me, you talk about he, he, he taking that math to another level and, and, for me, I, I, like you said, I, I said be precise. I think there's enough little nuances in this game where there's just some things you can't be precise about. Um, contradict myself a little bit, specifically like the stance and the elevation. You don't, you don't have the data to know, oh, it's 10 feet uphill, or my stance is three degrees downhill. And so it's tough to, be, it's tough to rely that much on precision, in my opinion. Sometimes it just needs to be feel. Yeah. I think that's what gets him in trouble sometimes. Um, my man, Nebraska ball, who I, I, I spent, I, I watched, I got to watch a couple of his matches actually in a row. It was really quick, but uh, Tony, Nebraska ball, you know, the guy, which one's that one? Not, not before this weekend. Not really at all. Oh, you didn't know him, Chad? Yeah, yeah, I know Tony his name. <laughs> yeah, Nebraska ball. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm similar to Tony. I mean, we've never met him, but I mean, I know him. I know Ben online a little bit. Um, he was in a uh, a group of guys that I, I'm with where we play some um, some tournaments and stuff on the side, and he was in that group for a little while. But he was one of the guys, Gino, that kind of 
invented in my mind he invented that stinger shot where he he took it to a whole new level where guys were watching his uh world championship qualifier head-to-head matches and he was pulling shit out that you had literally never seen before and you were like whoa i mean how is he hitting a three iron javelin on a 60 yard hole you're like my god um and he i i don't know what tony did but when i saw it i went to campaign i'm like how did he do that? I went to the campaign mode and, and tried some of that stuff out. And um, I he was, was I mean, in a sense, he's a pioneer in how he plays. Absolutely. And I was, I remember seeing that. I think it was a uh, desert Valley hole one in one of his world championship matches. And it was like, what the H was that? And, uh, and so, but it was a little too hyper aggressive, at least from, for me at that point. And so uh, a lot of y'all, you guys all tested it out. And you guys all started uh, holding out a heck of a lot more than me. I was like, well, I guess I got to figure this, figure this out. So let's, uh, let's do it. And I still, I'm not nearly as aggressive on stingers as a lot of you guys, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely a pioneer in that regard. It's kind of worked out for you though. <laughs> well, and I, I talked, I, I talked with a lot of guys over the weekend about um, little pieces that I stole from them. Right. And so it's tough to say that I stole the singer from Nebraska ball, but you know, he, he's really the inventor of it. Um, Danny, Danny Bell from the golden tea arcade side. I stole that little seven wood, nine wood chip from him. Um, it's just like noticing little things in these videos and saying, oh, all right, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to try that out and uh, co-opting it for yourself. That's how I grew my game. Uh, in, in 1990. I think seven or nineteen ninety eight, maybe Larry Foster finished third in the Golden Team National Championship. Um, as now twenty almost twenty five years later has translated into his first Golden Team Mobile World Championship. Just um, I wish I, I I wish I got to talk to him in Missouri because I didn't get to talk to him a whole lot, but he's been nothing but nice to me online. Uh, just you know, thoughts on Larry. You know, he, he seems to be really into this one. I mean, is he a contender for the future? And I, I think he is because he plays a lot. I mean, he's a high-volume player. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that um, Larry would be upset if he didn't tell you that he finished second in the 97 championship is what he told me. And he also told me he finished fourth in 99. So I don't know if the okay. IT website backs that up, Gino, but – that is absolutely what he said. And uh, he still remembers Steven Sobey and, and how Sobey's the one that knocked him out, I think, both tournaments. So he's a um, okay. really super nice guy and, uh, and, and plays a lot of uh, golden tea. And he also plays a little bit of cabinet as well, still. He's, yeah. he's, I mean, he's really enthusiastic about the game, too. Like, he, you can tell he really enjoys playing it. You know, we, we run this league – and every week we have X number of matches, eight, nine, ten, and whatever it is. And he's always the first one to get done with his matches because he just he wants to dive in, he wants to play, and he's just really excited to do it. And you know that goes a long way. Um, it, it's easy to be it's easier to be good at something when you're excited about doing it. And he's definitely excited about doing it. Yeah, Chad, you said before uh, on our last podcast, digital digital Mac was you know probably not a guy we're going to talk a whole lot about. He won a match. I mean, to, to, to say the least. But um, did he? Yeah, yeah, he did win a match. Yeah, he beat Vic. He, he beat Matt Vic. Uh, oh, okay, time, nice. So, yeah, that was uh, been, okay. So that was on the loser side. 
mm-hmm. that might have been when Kevin Lindsay was on the mic with Adam, and and of course none of those. I don't think any of those losers bracket matches initially were broadcast, but no, I, I know they later they were. They weren't. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, so he was. He, he was kind of. A, I mean, you weren't expecting a whole lot of him. Uh, and I, and Chris, I, I I still. I mean, I I talked to him just a little bit. Um, I, I think of all the guys that qualified for that tournament out of the 16, he was, to me, he was the most quiet. Like, I, I still feel like I don't know John Masuric, um any better, really, than – I mean, a little bit better, obviously, because I've never met him. But uh, he had a few friends with him, and uh, he plays matches and go sit with them. And um, Tony may have talked to him some, but I, I didn't really have a chance to talk to him much. No, I didn't really have a chance to either. Um, and I think, you know – he, he had definitely dialed back as a lot as a few other guys did. You know, there was a long break between when a, we all qualified and when this tournament happened. And, and for some people, they just, you know, shut her down. I, you know, obviously we talked about Evan. Um, yeah. John has been playing, but definitely not as much as he was. Um, Nebraska ball, you know, we talked, you know, he definitely go, runs hot and cold. He'll play a lot, you know, in a quick uh, amount of time and then take a decent amount of time off. And, you know, we all ran hot and cold, and some just uh, really dialed it back, and I think he was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark Duchesne seemed like the fastest player in the room. Uh, it, it, at least it seemed like at the time. You know, I, we, we, we talked earlier in the podcast about how guys were taking their time. Uh, two guys weren't, and that was – one of them was Mark Duchesne. Uh, high, I think he's the highest – is he the highest volume player – in the room, right? Yep. Yep. Contender for the future, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I spent uh, – I had never met – you know, he's another guy that's on the, the league council, so we, we spent a lot of time online together, but never in person. So I met him for the first time in person on Friday. Um, you know, I just from talking with him online, I knew that – you know, we have similar personalities, I thought, and, and we'd get along really well. And we did. We, so I played cards with him on Friday night. Uh, we kept it, you know, pretty, pretty chill, just the right amount of uh, drinks on Friday to, to uh, get to sleep at a decent hour, but uh, really good dude. Uh, talked about, you know, his family and, you know, he, he lived in Australia for a while, um, plays a ton. He just, it, the schedule for uh, his work and his family works out that he gets to play a lot and he does. Uh, another guy that really clearly enjoys playing. Otherwise, he wouldn't play as much as he did. So, definitely a contender for the future. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a fantastic player. Like, one of the – I mean, he's top four or five guy in the whole world. And yep. um, like Tony said, you know, being on the council with him, I, I was really looking forward to meeting Mark because I just – I mean, all the guys on the council, honestly, get along very well. And um, – I just Mark was one of those guys that just really wanted to meet because uh, we had hit it off so well, and he uh, he and I played um, three card poker on uh, Sunday night before I I flew out of Vegas, but when and it just had a really good time with him. He's just uh, a super good guy. The other fastest guy I thought was old fart box, which Chad said on the previous podcast. I think was kind of a dark horse, and up until about an hour to go in the Calcutta on Friday night, I fell asleep. You know, I had to work the next morning and I, I, but I was into buying, buying old fart box came close to, it would have paid off, came close fourth place finish. Tell me old fart box. 
second highest volume player in Golden Tee Mobile, right? Yeah. And the only reason I said he was a dark if, – if this game um, – and Tony probably knows what I'm getting ready to say. If, if you could play the championship on your phone and you could bring whatever device that you typically play um, your Golden Tee Mobile, Fartbox would have been one of the favorites, I think. He would have been maybe – and Tony still would have been the favorite, but um, probably top two or three, four, somewhere in that neighborhood because when he's on – he is he is almost seriously unbeatable when he's really playing well. And I just thought if he can transition to that iPad, if he's really giving that a shot, he would be your dark horse because he's he's got a lot of skill. Yeah, and I think I, it'd be interesting if they kept, um, you know, on the arcade side, they keep monthly stats and, and yearly stats. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's played more in 2021 than Mark has. I bet if we, if we could look mm-hmm. back, stats i wouldn't be surprised if he has so i believe that too uh very high volume very good um can beat anybody uh but to chad's point you know if, if you're not used to the device that you're playing on that's the that's a huge handicap pluck hole pluck hole got married sunday right is that is that that's my guy that got married yeah it was unfortunate. I, I texted with or I messaged with Chad a little bit uh, the last couple of days because I didn't make it on our last podcast when we were supposed to be talking a lot more about the mobile field than we did. But uh, this guy who was the number one overall seed, he was the top, he was the first qualifier in all of Golden T Mobile, uh, came to Vegas to one on Saturday, play in the Golden T Mobile World Championship, and on Sunday, married the love of his life. Chad, just, you know, talk about, talk about my man right there. He is, um, they call him the godfather because he uh, initially set out and started recording his matches on how to attack uh, Desert Front or how to attack, you know, whatever, Volcano Back. And so he put his matches on YouTube and created quite the following where a lot of these guys that have ascended to really high golden tee levels credit a lot of of their um i don't know stardom or their ability based on you know mike's tutelage as they've gone along so there's a lot of players that really credit him matter of fact i know for a fact that when evan decided he was going to start uh, playing golden t mobile he contacted uh mike smith immediately and and asked him for help nonstop. and uh, mike has always been more than willing to to help others and uh, and he's a hell of a player. I mean, he is great. Even, you know, week one, I, I don't know what the scores were week one uh, of the qualifiers, you know, way back when, but they, they would have zero chance to make it in week 16 um, by the time that, that year was over for the qualifier. And credit to Mike, he just continued to elevate his game, incorporate new things, become even better player, develop a stinger. I mean, all the kind of things you need to do to get better. And he just – he, he did a really good job. And also, Chris, I was a ring bear in his wedding. <gasps> ring bear. I was. Yes, I was. Oh. Are, are you going for do – you, did you get a Guinness record for a longest stretch in between ring, ring bearer ring? Did you do it when you're like four and now when you're <laughs> yeah, 40, 48 or whatever you are? It was a 45-year gap, <laughs> and it is a new world's record. <laughs> nice, Tony. I think that um, back to Mike for a second. Um, you know, I, we talked about him as pro, 
don't know, dark horse probably isn't the right word, but I think I think he would have been on the list of, of guys that Chad thought could have won, won this thing, and I, I would have agreed. Yeah. I think, um, you know, he was the first one to qualify. He could have he could have just packed it in for a while, rested on his laurels, and then ramped it back up. And he has ramped it up a lot recently, which is one of the reasons I thought he had a good chance. But it's also, um, you know, we talked about the nerves and how I thought the nerves were going to affect a lot of guys. I didn't I didn't think the nerves were going to affect Mike, and they didn't. Um, I, and so I just thought he had the right personality uh, to pull it off, along with this obviously really good game. Tin Cup. I, I, I'm trying to remember the name because I remember hearing it. The Tin Cup was Joe yeah, Goldschmidt. Joe. Yeah. What's the name? Joe Goldschmidt. Goal. Okay. All right. You know, this I'm, is. I know. I don't, I don't. I don't mean to hog this away from Tony, but man, Joe fought a battle to get from Cincinnati to Las Vegas. His flight was supposed to leave on uh, Friday morning. Now I remember. And it got canceled. I mean, they flat out Frontier canceled this dude's flight. He could not get a flight out of Cincinnati till Saturday morning. And mind you, the freaking tournament, the championship of the world is is Saturday afternoon. So he had to fly to Detroit and then take a, a flight from Detroit to Vegas and then make the drive from the airport to downtown. I mean, that dude walked in and, and credits IT. I mean, they understood the situation and said, hey, uh, we'll make sure your match isn't played and until you get here. We'll, we'll kind of push it off. And they did. And no harm, no foul. And I don't think anyone would have ever noticed anyway. But, man, what a, what a deal. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. You know, Kins has his story about, you know, when the, right before he was going to fly out, all of a sudden he couldn't find uh, his uh, confirmation numbers and stuff. The emails were gone. And so how that, like, for at least a short period, really, you know, messed with his mind a little bit. And I can't imagine Joe doing the same thing, but, like, rolling straight into the darn tournament. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they didn't they didn't slow down the tournament at all for Joe. I mean, we are we were on – you know, he was on the bottom half of the bracket. They didn't move him down there. And, uh, you know, he got in at one thirty or 2 o'clock, and his, he played his match at 3. Um, but, yeah, he, I can't imagine what that guy went through in the 24 hours before that. Yeah, and when I say credit to IT, they would have, they would have delayed that match is what they told Joe, that they would have if, – okay. if he didn't get there in time, they would have let him play that a little bit later. And, um I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. It, it, it's almost like when Joe got there, the relief that he is finally at the venue, I thought he played loose as could be and played um, a lot of great matches. I thought Joe played really loose and well. Yeah, that could go either direction, right? It's Because it's like, well, I might, I, I was almost not even here. So it could free, feel like a free roll. Otherwise, you could, you know, totally get in your head. And to your point, he, he, went, the, he went the good way. Uh, I think it's the moment we talk about Barrett Detterman a little bit. And uh, if I take anything from the the number of hours I've, I've, I've come to go back and watch this, is Chad, Chad, throughout the broadcast, I think you were the most excited about Barrett. I mean, is that safe to say? I mean, from what he was doing at the time? He just – he never brought bad Barrett into play until the last match that he lost. And when I say that, I mean, Barrett will tell you – himself i mean he's he goes through moments where he is the ultimate shot maker he wants to try to hold every shot and you know it's obvious it's almost like tony's direct opposite because tony is going to tony will haul out all kinds of things but if it's gonna have a chance of putting him in the water or you know it's not the smart shot tony's gonna hit 
a grabber or Tony's going to hit something safe. Um, Barrett is balls out 99.9% of the time. And he is trying to make everything. And God dang, he was making a lot of shots. He hit a lot of great shots. Um, his putting was on par. I mean, he just, I was, I was awfully proud of him. I um, just thought he played a great tournament. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I didn't get it other than the match I, well, I played against him, which I didn't actually see him, although, although I knew what he did on each hole or, you know, what scores he got. He was super aggressive. Was hyper aggressiveness. What was yeah, that? He, he, I say he was super aggressive. That, that was yeah. the one thing that I took from it was he, it, he, he was super aggressive early and it was really working for him uh, to get him through those first couple matches. And, you know, all of a sudden he's sitting around the final four, the winner side, and, you know, has, has a shot at this. So I, I was impressed by him. I probably impressed of, of everybody. He was probably the one I was most surprised by. So. You know, I agree. You know, I guys, I think we should stop the podcast right here. Okay. Everything we've done, and go back and name an arcade player that reminds us of each of these mobile guys. Because as you were <laughs> as you were talking there, Chris, what reminded me it it's uh, he's the he's the mouth, and you know, not obviously exactly like the mouth, but he's that's that's mouth style is in different ways, but yeah, um, he's like the mouth of Golden T Mobile. No, it's aggressive 20, 22 or 32 under. That's, you know, that's Mark McClevich. I mean, you either get one or the other. Uh, and just uh, to give a little bit to the uh, the 2019 last chance qualifier for the Golden Tee Arcade World Championship, Rick Coppathorn uh, came out and, well, he, this was a home, this was a home, this was a home event for him. I mean, he, he lives in Vegas now uh, and uh, walked away with a third place finish. Uh, Chad, I think you, you kind of pointed it out. It's like, Hey, we, you know, we kind of forgot about site. Uh, was it side swiper? What, what was the name? Swiper? Yeah. Yeah. Swiper sniper. Swiper um, sniper. That's it. One of the iconic names, I think of the guys that, um, were trying to, to learn the game in a rush, trying to get their games in position to try to make a run for the qualifier in weeks, maybe six through 16, and Swiper Sniper was always there in the mix. And, and you know, Greg Kinsler and I always talked about, God, we hope that he is gone and qualified before, you know, we're ready to try to take on that kind of a task because he was a beast. And um, if, you, if, if you forgot about Rick Coppathorn, which I'll be honest, I did because he, he had really stopped playing for a while and it took a little time off. And then before he ramped up, Man, he really showed himself great. I mean, he just he had an, an awesome tournament. And credit to Mike Smith. Mike Smith told me numerous times, you're counting out Rick Coppathorn, and I think Rick Coppathorn's going to have a great tournament. Mike was right. He did. He played really, really well. Yeah, you, um, and, you know, like a lot of guys there, I didn't have a chance to, to meet him in person before this tournament. And you know, he was one of the guys that during, during other people's matches or stuff, you know, I would, I would be off on the side chatting with him. Super nice dude, like you said, local local guy. Uh, he was the one that that put us on that pizza joint that we hit up about five meals out of six. Uh, <laughs> so uh, credit to him for that. That was awesome pizza right across the street. Uh, but really, really skilled player. I talked. I did ask him about the the name change. So to, he uh, he forever went <clears throat> not forever, but for a lot of time. The the way all of us know him is as Swiper Sniper, and then. He changed his name to Golfer fifty four or fifty eight forty or something like that, 
And it was kind of like, oh, you had such a cool name. Why did you do that? Well, it was, it had to do with the world qualifying. It was, he, he had not qual, he had gone through so many weeks of being in the top eight and then not getting through the elimination. He's like, I need to change something. And he changed his name and then he won it the next week. He's like, well, now I got to keep it. And so that was the story behind the swiper sniper. Tried to convince him to go back, but we'll see. I, I encourage you guys to, if you ever want to go back on YouTube and watch some of the uh, the 2019 uh, the arcade world championship from that year and watch some of that Friday night closest to the pin. He had some pretty good quotes uh, from some of the broadcasts from there, if you see, because he, he was one of the, he, he played our world championship. You know, he was one of the last chance qualifiers for that. Uh, him and, I legitimately and, did not know that. Yeah, yeah, him and Chris McKenzie. So you just said it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Chris, <clears throat> McKen- him and Chris McKenzie. They were the the two last chance qualifiers. And uh, yeah, I like I said, I encourage you both go back and watch some of that Friday night. There, he had a couple good quotes there. And Gino, um, didn't he play with the St. Louis crew? I, I think for a while he was playing with Evan and Luna when Luna was down there. And yeah, so um, uh, others. When we were when we were there in 2019, I I, I come walking out and uh, I had Misty with me at the time, and then all of a sudden Paige was talking to this guy, and I didn't know who he was, and he was one I, I saw I did saw the face because he was one of the last chance the the Friday night closest to the pen guys, and it was Rick Copthorne, and Paige was talking like she had known him for 20 years, and uh, I, I got to know him there for just a few minutes. I think he, he's a local dentist or uh, or cosmetic dentist of some kind. And, um, you know, seemed like a really cool guy, but he was also really, really, really skilled at what he was doing in mobile for sure. So, yep. uh, super impressed. Benji, um, Benji was, I mean, seemed like the, the in crowd favorite. He was the, he, he was the one with the home match. Did it, did it felt like that in the room, Tony? Uh, yeah. Uh, I got, I mean, I played him three times. Yeah. We played in the King of the Hill match, and then uh, when he came back around through the losers bracket, and um, yeah, I know. I mean, I noticed it. He definitely was uh, getting the cheers. Uh, definitely, you know, he had some friends there, like you said, and he had uh, the Calcutta buyers there. Um, so, I mean, I, I understood why he had, he had a bigger crowd than I did. But uh, also, you know, just super laid back. Like you could just tell by the way he was playing, like sitting in that chair and just like laid back, swiping, just a chill dude, and obviously very skilled as well. Uh, Tony, you, uh, I'm sorry, continue again. I just lost my thought. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chad. Yeah. Well, I, I think that Ben had such an amazing tournament where he, it was almost as if. And man, I give Tony a lot of credit. And I mean, it's just, but I, I think everybody gives Tony a lot of credit. Tony is just right now. It's our job as players to try to get to Tony's level right now. That's just, I mean, that's the cold hard truth of it. And Ben for, for one brief moment was really up there. Ben was, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Ben shots that didn't go in. It's only because he probably hit them maybe a half of a percent, maybe 1% too hard and they took a rough bounce at the very end because they were literally dead middle of the hole and were bouncing over the hole. And, I mean, there were so many games. Ben could have had five or six holeouts. It was, it was crazy um, how well you two um, were playing this entire tournament. And um, uh, I'm friends with Ben, and this is the first time I got to meet him. I mean, friends online, I guess. And uh, I was proud of how he played. And, and like Tony said, my God, you don't, you don't really meet – 
more of a chill dude than that. He was just, he was just in the zone, man, just, just sitting back and had his iPad out just playing a little bit of gold T-Mobile. I mean, trying mm-hmm. to win 10,000 bucks, but you wouldn't have known it. Just, just really chill. That's another thing I wanted to touch on a little bit where you're, you're sitting there and I'm watching, I mean, two guys in, in, in really, really nice chairs, essentially gamer chairs. Yeah, I want one of those. That was pretty nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, but what, what really I was taken away from it is posture. How, how are people playing? Because essentially I'm, I'm guessing that you're trying to get to a place where you play at home. Obviously, Tony, we we you're well documented with the tummy table. Okay, very yeah. well documented. All right, <laughs> but I, I will sit there and see Mark Duchesne come up with a knee up, and but this has to be how he plays at home, or whatever the place may be, or somebody might have their own iPad stand that they do the same thing. Were you taking that account, Chad? Did you actually see some of that and some of the posture and the way that these guys were playing? Oh, uh, there were, you know, there was out of the sixteen guys, only one guy actually played with the ipad stand and that was that was joe goldschmidt 10 cup then you had the guys that were kind of like literally leaned back in that gamer chair as if it was a poor man's lazy boy then you had several and it wasn't just tony using his tummy table there were several that were using the tummy tummy table you had a couple guys that were pulling that ipad up almost below their their man breasts and just you know it was just, <laughs> it, it was it was right there down you know close to their face it was there were all kinds of different styles and i think people were trying to incorporate something that would be something they could replicate that was something close to home you know how do i normally play golden t-mobile um what can i fit in here at this venue where i'm trying to win ten thousand dollars and and make good swipes Tony, one of the all one of the all time great championship performances, I think mm. I, you'll ever see. As far as what works, your king of the, I think it was the king of the hill match where you would hold what three of the first four. Was that correct? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I one, I three, four. Yeah, was I mean your match was won there, correct? I mean that's where your match was won, right? Well, um, yeah, I mean. I, in some ways, yes, but also, I mean, that's if, if there was, if you were going to name a course where you could drop two strokes real quick, it would have been that course. It would have been Volcano. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely the highest, one of the higher um, variance courses. And so, um, was I feeling really good at that point? Yes, absolutely. And I was, I did I probably dial back my aggressiveness? which is already, as we've talked about, a little dialed back from other people. Uh, yeah, for sure. But definitely one mistake could have easily cost me two strokes. And, and, and against um, Matt Calderon, um, I, I kind of I got into a complacent mode, and I, I had a really terrible shot on 16 of, of Elkhorn. And I think that kind of shocked my system. It would be like, holy cow, what were you even thinking there? How could you – just get that cockier, I don't know, just complacent. And so I think that really helped me in that match to say like, all right, just keep the pedal to the metal in a smart, safe, but still don't just knock it around the course way. And so that's, that's the way I took that. So we're, we, we've got this, first off, Tony, uh, winning it all, 
you know, they present the $10,000 big check to you. I mean, just what's, what's the feeling like? I mean, what, what are you feeling? You're, you're the, the game's first world champion. Just, you know, what's, what, what are we thinking? What are we feeling? I'm thinking this is the first time I've ever had to give a, like an acceptance speech. So what I'm trying in my head, I'm trying to check off. The, okay. Thank it. They did an awesome job. Thank the announcers. They like in my head, that's what I'm preparing just these quick off the cuff uh, moments. But at the t- at the same time, it's tough to concentrate on, on that when you're so damn excited about winning your first tournament and your first big tournament in, in so many years of playing. And so that's where I was, I was alternating back and forth between trying to make sure I said all the right things and also um, wanting to be really excited for, for what I had done. I mean, how does this feel full circle? You play your first world championship in 2004 for arcade. It's hard to believe it's been 17. We're working on almost 18 years now since you played your first world championship. Um, This is just your whole new, this is a whole new world. I mean, just, do you you feel like, I mean, do you want to go after more world championships? Do you feel like you want to expand upon this? Can you, I mean, can you be a dominant player, all that stuff? I I want to be a dominant mobile player. I don't feel like I can be a dominant mobile player and still maintain the level of arcade play that I um, have gotten used to, which is not championship level, but still pretty darn good. Um, And so... Uh, I'm still obviously going to be going to tournaments, um, but uh, definitely mobile is my focus at this point. Um, it's just from a lifestyle standpoint, it's just easier for me. I understand that, Chad. Pluck hold, Joe Mama, Nebraska Ball, Greg Kinsler, Kins, Tony Johnson, Whammy, Calzone, Mr. Golden Tee, Golfer 5840, Benji's, Jame. 10 Cup, Meow Chopper, Fire Box, Digital Mac, Mark, Vic in a Box. Those 16 players. How many return for next year? Mm. Man, that's. I mean, <laughs> they're all capable. We all know that. Yeah, it's. But it's we hard also to say, know but... this whole Golden Team Mobile world's getting bigger, and everybody else, as Tony said, everybody else is getting better. So. Well, I think Tony comes back. Um, and quite frankly, Tony should have been back automatically. I'll, I'll say it for him. I've never. I think IT has always brought back their Golden Tee World Champions. They always they get used to do that. Crown. They they used to do that. That they, they don't let them do that anymore. I hate that. They should bring all the World Champions back. You're right. I, I think so. But I, I think Tony will be fine. I think Tony will. One of these 16 weeks, if it's not you know week one, he's still got 15 more cracks at it. Um, I'd say probably six to seven of those players make it back. I, I don't think that all uh, for sure, not all 16 are going to be back. I, maybe eight. I'll say maybe seven or eight. What do you think, yeah. Tony? I had, I had nine or 10 in my head. Um, you know, there's, I'm trying to think of all of the, you know, there's how, how many guys are out there that we think could easily unseat those guys um evan's got to evan's got to prove Chad, me he cares. chad's one of those guys there's you know th- there's guys in the in the gold division in the league that that definitely are capable um but you know 
the even even the guys that we would have given the least chance to uh, going into this last weekend to win it, you know, they're still really good players and they're definitely capable of making it. Um, so, you know, seven to ten is probably a nice safe guess. <laughs> it's a pretty big range, but yeah. um, but it, it it's not six and it's not fourteen. I don't think. I mean. Does it, I mean, where, where, where do we go from here now? I mean, this world championship now we have in, in the books. Um, I, I can tell you from just a, just the couple people that we all talked to in this, you know, Golden T-Mobile world, there's a, there was a lot of pride taken in this world championship by several people. Um, where do we go from here? Do we want to, do we want a bigger venue? Do we want more players? I mean, what's the, what's the, I mean, it's the it's the general consensus that this will be a 16 man world championship next year. I mean, where do we go from here? Well, yeah. we've already started qualifying for it. Yeah, well, we obviously, <laughs> so we know what's going to happen. Poor arcade guys, they're just out there just crying right now. But let's go ahead and talk about this mobile world championship that's about to happen again. Those guys, Chad, right, I'll go. go ahead. Chad, you go first. Well, uh, Tony kind of hit on it. I mean, we've already started qualifying. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to going to come come out, but I mean, we're on day three of qualifying right now for um, week one. So we we know the field is going to be 16 in in 2021. Would I like to see that field bigger? Of course. Um, I know Tony and I have talked with other members of the council, other members of the Golden Tee community about you know what are some of the things that incredible technologies can can do to bring more people into the fold um, to bring some excitement and bring you know some guys that maybe wouldn't normally have a a great shot at qualifying how do you get them involved maybe you increase the size of the field uh, maybe you reward their um, persistence and and how they are qualifying and hey like tony can talk about this more i don't want to steal your thunder if you bring this up but um, say you, you, you qualify top 40 every week, say for, for 10 of the 16 weeks or even better, Hey, you've got a chance to get into this field based on a drawing. I mean, that was kind of one of Tony and Mark's ideas. I think that they had talked about, but there's maybe a, a winner of a, a, a tournament, maybe a winner of Nashville coming up on August 20th or 21st, they get an automatic, uh, a seat at the world championship. I mean, that, that'd be freaking outstanding. And I, I think it would also encourage a whole lot more guys to go to the, uh, the, the live tournaments. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I mean, we, we, could, uh, we can and we have tossed around ideas until we're blue in the face. Um, I think there's a lot of ide ideas out there. I, I think that, um, yeah, the persistence, I think, is what needs to be rewarded because um, if, if your persistence, and, and for a lot of guys, hopefully not me included, this qualifying process uh, for 2021 Worlds is going to require a ton of persistence. And if you don't, if you're not rewarded in at least some way, that's going to get extremely frustrating for guys. Um, and, and is that just kind of while Chad was talking, I thought about, okay, you, you talked about it. If you qualify top 40 in 10 of the 16 weeks, well, maybe that gets you invited to the last chance Vegas tournament, right? So the last two spots are rewarded for the 18 guys that, uh, that were really the most persistent and, you know, were the most consistent 
in the qualifying process along the way. And so they have kind of a, an in-person last chance tournament for all those guys that didn't, that didn't find their way into an automatic bid, but did play really consistently for at least, you know, 10 to 12 of the 16 weeks. Cause otherwise it's going to just burn guys out and they're going to give up uh, regardless of how good they are. It's just going to, by week 12, people are going to yeah. be so discouraged and pissed. You're not wrong. Don't I, you know, you're not wrong at all. Uh, just keeping on the world championship a little bit, just let's offer, I wouldn't just some constructive, Hey, things, what, what could be better next time around? Just uh, Tony, anything that just stuck out to you that, Hey, we could maybe do a little bit better. I thought for the number of guys, um, like I said, I thought the venue size was perfect. Um, you know, it was, um, it was not crowded at all, but it was not, you know, you weren't, you, it wasn't overly large. Um, I thought the, the technology, the, the, the four iPads was, was the right amount. Um, I think the thing that we talk about the most is expanding the field. I think whether that's 24 or 32, and, and I, I do still think that is a possibility. Um, I think it's, it's 16 for sure, at least 16. And I think that based on, based on, you know, how much, um, interest they get from these first, you know, whether it's two, three, four weeks of qualifying, they might be able to justify bumping that up. Um, I Tony, think it'll be awesome. What's that, Chad? Tony, let me, I'm going to interrupt you on that because what I'm worried about, and I know that we need to show uh, week one through five, a, a lot of play, a, a lot of people upgrading to, uh, the 99 cent package to get the insiders and the unlimited balls or whatever. Um, but what I worry about is that people are waiting to see the top five, six guys make it to the world championships first to be qualified before they really make that investment. And what I worry about is that ITCs that play potentially could be down and say, Hey, we're just going to cap this field at 16. It doesn't warrant a field of 32 that is a legitimate worry of mine right now yeah i, I agree with, i agree and i am i think my biggest worry is week two i think actually there's probably more guys you know for all the guys that are at worlds all of a sudden monday you're like oh man it's already started i'm already having to qualify for this thing again and i expect that there, there to be a lot of guys just sitting week one out and that was in my mind at least from what i've seen not really the case. Now that that maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, I'm worried about week, if not week two, week three, where it be where the scores that the top eight guys are putting up becomes known, and it's like, oh man. At that point, that's when I'm gonna start waiting. I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna deal with weeks three through eight. I'm just gonna wait until the second half. And so I think that's a legit, legitimate concern. Um, but but I think what will help possibly is if they are able to run um, arcade and mobile concurrently again, um, which I think they want to do. And I would, I, I think that'd be great if they could do it the way they originally wanted to, then then venue size doesn't become quite so much of a restriction. And I think that then they might be a little bit more open to expanding the field to at least 24 in that case. And maybe there's a lot more second chance opportunities at that point for the maybe the last eight mobile guys in but there, because so there, 
got a gigantic venue, so let's let's make use of it. And, no, and, I got the, but also you. I mean, you guys are expected to have more mobile players now, right? I mean, I mean, compared to when you guys were qualifying, you're expected to have you know more players willing to play a world championship, or you know more players wanting to qualify. Wouldn't it, could I extrapolate and say that right? So, I mean, yeah. there was if if you look back if you look back at week week two of the original qualifying and you look at that leaderboard, yeah, there's a lot of names that you recognize, but there's a, first of all the scores are way better now, but also there's just so many there's a few guys that you just never heard from again, but there's so many new guys and we see that in the league too. Like there's so many guys that started in purple and then just got hooked and then they're bronze and then they're silver and now they're dabbling in gold. And there's just a lot of guys that given, given a reason to want to get really good, um, hopefully maybe even outside of the league, uh, which would be a, a legitimate chance to make the world championships, then they will ramp up their gameplay, which is ultimately what IT wants. Chad. You gonna call the next world championship, or are you gonna play in it? Well, I mean, I, I think I'll be in Vegas one way or the other, Chris. So <laughs> I think I will be too. We'll see. I, you know, I. It is a uh, it is a legitimate grind to try it. It's, you know, even if you get yourself into the top eight, um, which is what it bases. Hey, the top eight are gonna play head to head after one week of qualifying matches, um, get yourself in top eight, then it's like, it's pretty much a coin flip. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta win three coin flips and see if you can get into the, into the world championships. It's, it's tough. It is tough. And as a guy that, uh, made it nine straight weeks, um, never making it to the worlds except to broadcast it. It's, uh, I know what I'm looking at square in the face and it's, it is a daunting task because I am not as good as Tony. I'm, and not that anyone is right now, but it's, um, I've got to elevate my game somehow and, and really make a, just a serious effort to try to make some improvements in some of the, the places that I'm lacking and, so, and get better. Chad, I absolutely agree. Like my, my worry is burnout for guys that, you know, you're going to make your effort, but, guys that have less of a chance than you are just going to at some point just say, no, no, thanks. Like, it's just not worth the, the grind. Uh, but what I was thinking of while you were saying that was a guy that was at the tournament that we have not mentioned, Lance Harris. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely worth mentioning, especially in this conversation uh, because Lance Harris, AKA Luna on golden T-Mobile uh, he's been out at enough, on enough venues, I think we can out him on uh, the uh, on uh, Gino's podcast here. Yeah, uh, he stopped in on Saturday. Awesome, chatted with him for a long time. Uh, but if I'm IT, I am terrified. And this is going to sound a little bit self-serving, but I'm terrified that the best player, who at the time was for sure Lance Harris, aka Luna, doesn't make worlds. Because of, the, because of the way I've set up my qualifying. He was definitely the best player and he grinded it out and he didn't make it. And that should, they should be doing everything in their power to avoid that. And after, after week 16, when he didn't qualify, 
He just said, F this, I'm done. And he, and he's barely played since. And that is the worry um, that I was IT. Yep. That's, that's, that's perfectly said. Mm-hmm. Incredible, Tony. Um, we're going to get ready to uh, wrap this up. I, uh, I, I, I certainly hope that we won concurrently hold Mobile Worlds next year with, uh, with, with Arcade. Um, it, it would make for just one really, really awesome weekend. And uh, it's something I would uh, be super excited about. Tony, uh, we're going to wrap – Tony Chapper wrapping this up. Uh, guys, I, I, I appreciate you joining me. And just uh, – I'm going to pay a, a, just a sincere compliment because I, I, I pride myself – on um, being 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 really knowledgeable about this game and people, or I'm sorry, the the brand and the name of Golden Tea and the people that have played it over a number of years now, and, and this has taken up now. I'm 37. This has taken out more than half of my life, and I will sit here and go forever this day for as long as I know this game, Tony. For as good as an arcade player as you were. Now you've cemented yourself in this extension of this brand that we have in Golden Tee and being a champion with that. Tony, we, I will say forever, you, we cannot tell the game, we cannot tell the story of this game without your name in it, brother. Congratulations for everything that you've accomplished over the weekend. And um, just best of luck going forward with it, man. you got a bright mobile future, which I hope the whole mobile game has a bright future, man. Thank, thank, thanks so much, Chris. And, you know, I'm, I'm super excited for how I performed over the weekend. I'm super excited for Golden Tea Mobile and what it can become. I'm super excited for, for Golden Tea and the PGA. Like, we, we, we barely even have talked about this PGA thing because, you know, it's gotten put on a little bit of hold. But it's, it's a huge partnership, and it's got a huge ability to expand the eyeballs on this game. And, and I want Golden Tea Mobile – to be part of that. And Chris, like you said, um, you, you pride yourself in knowing the history of the game. And you obviously do. And you also need a ton of credit for um, taking this mobile thing under the wings, um, you know, doing the announcing that you did in St. Louis and saying, I got to learn this game. I got to learn the players that are playing this game because it'll make what I do better. And you've done an awesome job. And I really appreciate that, Chris. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Thank you, Chad. Guys, uh, appreciate you joining me tonight, and uh, I'm uh, I, I, I appreciate you joining me. We're gonna uh, stop here, so thank you, guys. Thank you. And we are. So, a big thank you to Chad and Tony. Uh, that was an awesome podcast and I, I enjoy talking to them as always. And we're going to keep in touch obviously with a little, uh, some stuff I'm doing with mobile. Big thanks. A huge thank you to all you mobile guys, um, that are, uh, tuning in and listening to me a little bit. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, hopefully I can still continue to provide you a little bit of content for this summer, uh, before I, kind of switch it back over to arcade and then i got this thing called the carolina clash coming up and i'm going to be super super ready for that um but until then big thank you to all you mobile guys appreciate you tuning in to me man and uh we'll talk to you real soon